hole in the dungeon. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 67 of Pop Cannon. We are your hosts. My name is Jordan. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joe. I just thought you ought to know that there was a troll in the dungeon. Uh, We are celebrating 20 years of Harry Potter. And depending on where you're listening to this at, you could have called it Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Or, growing up like we did, it was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Wait, was the movie that way too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they recorded like completely different... Dialogue. Wow. I think so. Yeah. I think because there's posters that say uh, sorcerer or philosopher, depending on where you are. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, 20 years ago, this movie dropped, changed the game of cinema legitimately. Um, we talked about this right before we actually hit record about how Harry Potter, as a film franchise, has kind of molded the way that people look at cinematic universes now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really cool. It's something that should be celebrated. And this movie really defined a generation of people, like especially our age, because that mm-hmm. hit us like from the get-go. Yeah, we're a prime, prime uh, target for that. So right at the start of this episode, I just want to ask you guys, what was kind of your first earliest memories of Harry Potter and uh, the Philosopher's Stone, the Sorcerer's Stone, whatever? Sarah? In general, I mean, I I read the books. I just remember, so like really (laughs) embarrassing thing, but I just remember, I don't know if I was in first grade or what, but when I was reading the book, I didn't realize that that's how you spelled cupboard. So in my head, I just kept reading it as cupboard. And I'm like, what is a cupboard? He lives in a cupboard. (laughs) Thankfully, I've gotten a little bit better (laughs) at reading and spelling. But no, I, I was like... A little bit of like, not like a full out Harry Potter nerd as a kid, but I was really, really into the books and the films when they came out. Joe, how about you? So yeah, I was a big Harry Potter kid. I read all the books. I watched every movie. I played Quidditch in college. Um, I really just kind of like left it behind now um and part of like going back to this is a lot of just separating art from artist because mm-hmm. jk rowling just has the worst online presence of anybody i remember going to see chamber of secrets at midnight with my mom um wow. which like that was my first midnight premiere wow um, and i was just wow. like some kid with his mom um <laughs> Other memories of this, it's really just like how ABC Family like decided it was a Christmas <sighs> movie, and like watching all the marathons and stuff. So, yeah, it's it a just kind of like Potter got, weekend right. every fucking weekend. <laughs> it's hard to remember like a time before Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. um, I just remember being in like a, the Borders at the Viewmont Mall for all you NEPA folks out there, <laughs> and my mom just like walking up to me in the kids section and being like do you want this? It's like, apparently like the hot new book. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And honestly, the first book was a struggle for me because there's so much exposition in that book. But once I like got myself through that and started the second one, that's when I felt like I was hooked, which in the same way, like, I think this might be one of like the weakest movies of the entire franchise. So it's really funny that like it grew into what it was from this. 
Robert, what's your Harry Potter origin? <laughs> um, I was not super into it. I only read the first three and a half books. Um, I stopped in the middle of Goblet of Fire because that Quidditch Cup game just really like took me out of the entire thing, and I didn't care anymore. Uh, once I looked ahead and saw I had to wait till like chapter 16 or 20 or something like that to get to Harry and all of them, I was like, I'm out, dude. Fuck this. Uh, <laughs> um, in retrospect, I enjoyed reading this one a lot because this was the I read this one on my own. And as far as the film, um, my cousins and I, Paul, who's not on this episode, and my cousin Samantha, we used to dub movies when we were younger. And this was one of them that we did. Because we knew it, we were so familiar with the story, so we kind of could set ourselves up for jokes and whatnot. And uh, when we were doing it, our grandmother at some point had like snuck in behind us and sat on the couch and was listening to everything that we were saying, and we weren't censoring ourselves. Um, so it was super inappropriate, a lot of the stuff. And something that one of us said caused her to laugh out loud and then we knew she was there and then she just lost it and then she let us she didn't even she just said she wanted to hear the rest of the story that we were creating so she sat back and let us finish uh so that was really cool so i always think of that when i watch this movie so it has a special place for me um i didn't really get into the movies as far as going to see them in theaters i didn't see this one in theaters i think i've seen all of them in passing, like you said, on ABC Family or Freeform or every fucking weekend was a Harry Potter weekend and they'd make excuses for it like, oh, it's 4th of July, time for Harry Potter. <laughs> well, you it's know, Christmas, wa- wands and fireworks. Yeah, and- <laughs> it's just every, they make any excuse. It's like the Rib Witch. <laughs> and then working retail at a bookstore um, where half of the merch that moves in that place is Harry Potter related somehow. <laughs> yeah. And watching and watching specifically the demographic of Harry Potter fans, which is almost exclusively women. And I don't say that to put down any male Harry Potter fans, but in my experience at that store, men of any age basically would walk past the Harry Potter section and women of every age would stop and look at all of the stuff. Um <laughs> It's that the houses just like take the place of the Zodiac. So if you have women that are into the Zodiac, they immediately fall into which house is theirs and love and or hate the other houses accordingly. Jordan, what do you think about Harry Potter? What are your... So earliest memories, I remember I checked out um, the first book from my school's library. I had it for about two days uh, and I read maybe two, three chapters and that was really it. Um, Never went back to it. By the time the movie came out, I was much more open-minded to it and I don't necessarily know if I saw it in a theater. Um, But I do remember watching it at home on home video with Mm -hmm. my cousin Sierra and I remember playing the video game for the PlayStation (laughs) 1. Works uh, <laughs> so those oh, are like ingrained in my brain uh, those kind of memories about this um, I did as I got older I would go to the midnight premieres uh, had a lot of fun with that and really fell in love with the storytelling that they were able to achieve over those films because as I've said on this podcast before I love serialized storytelling and this franchise did something with book series that no other film has been able to do since in my opinion correctly 
I think that I think that opening scene is kind of goofy, like all the way around. Really? Um, so. Specifically when Dumbledore like name checks the cat. It's just like the way that he delivers that is so fucking over the top ridiculous. <laughs> professor McGonagall. Yeah. As if like, and like in their private life they call each other professor. <laughs> but just like the way he Instead just like, of, like, looks at her and he's like, yeah. "Oh, fancy to see you here, Professor <laughs> McGonagall." And then he like turns as if she were hiding from him as well and he caught her or something like that. What kind yeah, of games like, are they playing together? Is what I want to know. That uh, scene is more or less word for word like yeah direct out of the first chapter of the book though. Yeah. Like they didn't really change a single thing. Like from Mm -hmm. like uh like Robert said earlier, the the pen light, but it's like a (laughs) it's a lighter. A deluminator is what you find out five books later is what it's called. (laughs) Um from that down to, you know, Haggard's motorcycle, McGonagall just being there. And you know as much in the book by that point as you know in the movie. Yeah. It's an interesting little bit of world building to me to have like these like ridiculously dressed people on this very plain looking street. Yeah. They could have just like enchanted the transformer and killed the lights too. <laughs> yeah, but I wizards don't think to do that. <laughs> it's very like this whole episode is going to be me like wrestling with nostalgia to be like what's yeah. the truth here? <laughs> like yeah. did like was it good or did I just like it? <laughs> See, I think it's you could you could just like it. It's fine. <laughs> I think the tone, the tone of this movie, compared to every other film in this series, is so fun. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just about having a good time. Yeah, yeah it's very like innocent. Like at least like all of the characters are because like it's there's like no real super defined villain yet. Mm. Even watching the whole thing and just like the whole film, it just seemed so young. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it hasn't grown up yet. Like, the series hasn't grown up yeah. yet. Cause then you get to like the last few movies, like, even like the Deathly Hollows, especially, like, they're just so physically dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, which we'll probably talk about, like, the different directors through the various parts of the series, but um, I think, like, as Joe kind of like has mentioned, like the first two films definitely have like a different air about them that mm-hmm. kind of gets lost in yeah. like the subsequent films, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Chris Columbus's direction really lends itself to that. I was sitting there last night watching the opening when like it's just that shot of the hallway and then you see like Dudley coming down the stairs and there's the pan down and I thought to myself like this feels like Home Alone and then I yeah. remembered like it's because it's Chris <laughs> Columbus. Yeah. The film like looks kind of like a Lord of the Rings movie for kids. Like it's got that film look. It's very like over the shoulder, not like crazy like highlighted like the spells aren't like the lasers that we see in the la- later movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I think part of that maybe is just because of what they were able to do with effects at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like, you know, the CGI is rough, <laughs> but like when they do like the spells without showing like a visual element, just like what happens is what happens for some reason. I just really lashed onto that. And then after the second one, it like all the humor becomes a lot more like slapstick. It's kind of like the fourth wall starts to break down after that third movie. 
and as a kid, I just didn't really appreciate that. And I guess I'm still bitter about it now. <laughs> well, I mean, they get they they decidedly get less fun. I feel like yeah, because the oh, stakes yeah. get higher and higher. <laughs> but yeah. in this one, I mean, I feel like it's it's super fun and super whimsical, and uh, I enjoy learning all of the like the small ways that they do um, the exposition mm-hmm. in this. I think that they handle it really well. Like Ron explaining the 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 cards in the the chocolate frog stuff and like little ways that they go about explaining it but also like hermione came across really annoying this time for me like especially at the beginning of the movie she's super heavy-handed until (laughs) until ron insults her behind her back and then she gets all pissy and uh, it changes there from there but she also seems like earnest in that like it's not like she's like like she's obviously playing a character, but she's doing a really good job of being like that's who she is. It's not just a bit. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. No, she she definitely was able to come across as hoity-toity. Uh, I think would be <laughs> <laughs> the best way. Uh, she's not because she's not like you said. She's not doing it from like a um, where she's like looking down on you, like maybe Malfoy is. Right. Yeah. But she just is like so much smarter and can't believe other people aren't <laughs> i mean at least she does her homework and right. nobody else seems to yeah uh but i liked that about hermione's character is that like she was a genuine child who's inquisitive and like curious and eager to learn mm-hmm. and then you look at the flip side of that and harry and ron are not that at all yeah so it's fun to play off of that dynamic that they have in like the first one you don't get more of like Hermione's backstory until like later on but it's like mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, her eagerness too is because like she's not from that world so right. because she's like born not like a muggle parents or whatever so it's like she must have like learned that stuff so fucking quick mm-hmm. and then you have Ron who grew up in that and he's just kind of like whatever this is like how things are and then you have um harry who again like literally it's like you're a wizard harry he's like all right like okay cool (laughs) so it's like really interesting how like you get those three people and then how like they all encompass different parts of like the gryffindor house Mm mm-hmm because realistically, like, you would assume maybe that, like, Hermione being so smart would be in, like, Ravenclaw. Because all Ravenclaws have similar traits that are very similar to the Zodiac. So. <laughs> well, you know, Slytherin <laughs> is for, like, bad people. And <laughs> but see, that's the thing Hufflepuff that's so weird. Hufflepuff is for like, the rest of everybody. <laughs> it's so weird that, like, I know, I understand why they set it up that Slytherin is, like, full of the villains or what have you but it's just so weird that a house like that would even exist in a school to like dump the people that they know are going to be a problem (laughs) it's like is that like okay like in freaks and is that like the smoking section of the school (laughs) like it's like under the bleachers so like when when the sorting hat puts you in slytherin and you're not a malfoy do you go like, oh shit, what have I done? Or who am I really? Is it like a cu- crisis of conscience? Like, I mean it clearly because like they're like, mm, you're, it's like my They're hair's not greasy enough. No, they are. 
the movies don't really portray I don't I don't think the movies portray like any of the other houses as much as they do like obviously um Gryffindor and Slytherin Gryffindor and Slytherin but yeah. it's like it's because there's literally like it's like Harry Ron and Hermione versus Draco Malfoy right. like right. so then uh, like you automatically get the like I'm sure there are very nice people in <laughs> Slytherin but guess what very nice people don't make an interesting story. Yeah, no, exactly. You need the conflict. That's why you barely get any Hufflepuff, apparently, because they're supposedly nice and quiet, according I guess to they're their boring. Zodiac. You get Cedric Diggory later. <laughs> well, that yeah. is true. And then yeah. he makes every girl want to be a Hufflepuff. And then he dies. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> it's been 20 it's fucking been years. It's been 20 years. <laughs> um... J.K. Rowling didn't do that much work to like show them as like realistic places because mm-hmm. yeah like it all the you know the wizard Nazis end up in Slytherin um, <laughs> but yeah like they're they offhandedly say like oh like great great wizards have come from Slytherin I couldn't name any but they yeah. have yeah. well and you then, know like, sure. Voldemort it's, he did terrible but great things so yeah. we got him. <laughs> And then later on, they do, like, add some, like, asshole characters who are from, like, different houses. Like, Mm. Craig McCracken, I think, was a Gryffindor. And he was a fucking dipshit. (laughs) The sorting hat got him wrong. Yeah. (laughs) But I was going to say, to the point that they make Slytherin out to be villains, um, Mm. then you get told that Snape is the, the head of that house. And Snape has, I think, two scenes where he speaks, and he's already, like, the biggest villain in the movie. And the kids yeah. are, like, boogeymanning him to have yeah. to stop everything that he's doing. And he's literally talked, like, twice on screen. He's red yeah. herring. Dude. And these kids are like, we have to stop Professor Snape. And I'm like, talk to him. Well, it's like, great. Again, but he has that look about yeah. him. He's got his long, greasy hair. He's always like Aloof pissed and off or like yeah. whatever. And he's Slytherin. And so like yeah. when you're an 11 year old kid, like you don't think yeah, about it that. Gets, it goes to just like the prejudice that the film builds against <laughs> Slytherin. <laughs> but like it, it builds out against him. I mean, for like 10 f- years worth and, of And content. to be fair, his actions... Yeah. In, oh, I mean, he's a fucking that asshole. A little bit too. He's a spooky weirdo. It, well, he, even he's a jerk. Scene, <laughs> right before the Quidditch match, like knowing like that, like he's not the bad guy in the end. It's like he's just socially awkward. Like he's legitimately trying to tell Harry good luck, but he's just coming yeah. off like threatening yeah. and <laughs> well, right. Yeah, and menacing. <laughs> he rushes away, and then he's got all this like emotional, like weird, awkward emotional baggage. Yeah, it's it's all compounded from like what we find out later, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, right? And how Snape genuinely feels about Harry. Yeah, and he's the one character that I think like she had kind of figured out from the beginning because there's that like trivia that she handpicked Alan Rickman for the role, she being J.K. Rowling, and she told him Snape's backstory. Yeah. That, like, mm-hmm. readers wouldn't find out about till like, Half-Blood Prince. Um, but, like, he knew about that from the very first movie. So, like, mm-hmm. he knew to perform with that in mind. Um, so that, at least, like, in hindsight, we know is there. But Right. Because, like, he's looking at Harry and, like, with, like, I don't know, like, malcontent or whatever. And they're like, oh, my God, he's evil. And really, he's just like, oh, you have your mother's eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the funniest Which is, like, you know... <laughs> 
<laughs> but he, it's also like you have your father's rest of you. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like he's reminded of like what he's lost every right. time that he sees Harry. Right. So obviously he's going to be a little, yeah. you know, like standoffish. Off-putting. It's yeah. understandable. But it's very funny that like even after finding out like it wasn't him they don't give the guy a fucking break for the rest of the series anyway. Nope. <laughs> They're like, yeah. just, <laughs> just we gotta it keep watching you. that motherfucker. That's all. <laughs> it's also very funny. I don't know if I would have caught this if I had like seen this then with my knowledge now, but like I obviously miss, well, I had read the book, but like I would have missed it that they always like show a shot of Quirrell whenever it's like a thing that like, they think like Snape is being bad, mm-hmm. and yeah. so like it seems so obvious now. So but, like, obvious, dude! I was going like, to say the same thing. Why did we cut to Professor Quirrell after Snape's robes caught on fire? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I do like when it when they do catch fire. You see Quirrell in the back, like dive downward, like really <laughs> yeah. heavily. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it that like lends itself to like the kind of like year-long mystery nature of these books and like it's kind of like a recycled format at least for like the first three where it's like it's just like something's happening but it takes all year for it to Mm -hmm. like kind of play out but it worked i guess like it it was kind of pulpy in its own sense yeah Yeah. because it's kind of like the storyline it's like self-contained like you know what i mean like if they would have gone on maybe to like for at least for the first one if they would have decided not to make it a series I mean, you get a pretty satisfying mm-hmm. ending. Like, again, there wasn't really, like, you didn't get, like, the big boss battle, per se. Right. Um, and there's no, like, obvious conclusion with Voldemort. But if they would have, like, stopped there, it's yeah. still, like, y- you would have had a satisfying story. Yeah. Yeah, it could still stand on its own as its own film. Whereas I think, at least in from, like, what I remember or, like, what I'm thinking, it's, like, later films especially, like, you need the other films more for context. Yeah. Well, especially, this was the first series to do that, like, we'll split the last book into two parts. Yeah. Which, like, why? <laughs> yeah. Everybody followed suit after that. So. Exactly. Just to draw yeah. it out more. Yeah. That's money. It. I don't know. Money. There's a lot of money in Harry Potter, so. There is. Yeah, yeah. there is. Still right now yeah <laughs> the the amount of merch that harry potter as a brand must move i can't oh, even I can tell you dude only imagine print money at that yeah. point yeah they could, it's literally any product you can think of <laughs> has they just put the fucking hogwarts logo on it and people will buy it individual house stuff i've seen mm. people uh, at the bookstore i remember being like looking at the, the the socks and literally I remember somebody not purchasing it because it had a house that they didn't want to wear so they would not buy all of them <laughs> damn I'm um, just curious what house you guys think you would be in oh that's so they're, the most recent thing that they did I think it's called Pottermore mm-hmm. that website that was um, years ago but. Did, you yeah. Get, yeah. did you get sorted I did. I took it because everybody at work, because this is right at the peak of me working there, when that dropped, everybody was like, oh my God, you have to do it. Um, so I I was a Slytherin Gryffindor cusp, like Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> kind of a big deal. Um, and, but when I told everybody at work that 
it split me and I could choose which one I wanted to do, they all told me I would be Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so saying something about you. This podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. <sighs> I'd probably go Hufflepuff. I'm pretty chill. And I'm low key. So like you just don't need you don't need to see me. I'll just be silent and quiet in the background. Uh, Jordan's a fifties housewife. <laughs> I think I always thought Hufflepuff, but Pottermore gave me Slytherin, and oh, I made it make sense. I get it. Come to Damn. the dark side, Joe. Yeah, okay. I think Pottermore gave me Gryffindor. That all? Oh, yeah. Damn, I never did Pottermore. Hmm. Hmm. Sarah. Hmm. Where are you going? Hmm? <laughs> um. I don't know. I just probably would be like Hufflepuff because you know whatever. The last like, <laughs> get over there. <laughs> I'm not it's right by the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. You know. Come on, Sarah. No. I'm not, I'm not over particularly brave. <laughs> I don't feel like a Slytherin because, like, I'm not combative. I'm not, I'm not going to, like, steal your lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe Ravenclaw if it's a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Slytherin also has, like, the worst storms. It's, like, under the lake, and it just sounds, like, very damp and gross. Mm. Mm, do you want to have, like, breathing be. problems? Yeah, right. <laughs> No wonder they're all fucking evil. <laughs> Mildew. That's why they're all so, like, pasty. One thing I did notice is that, um, I don't know if it's just, like, the specific color correction on my television, um, but Malfoy's hair looked a lot more strawberry blonde than platinum blonde that I remembered it watching this back. Hmm. And I was like, I don't know if that's, like, a thing with my specific viewing situation or... If anybody else, it's just like it was so much less like that bright white blonde that I remember thinking it was supposed to be, and it seemed a lot more uh, with like a pinkish hue to hmm. it. I didn't really notice. They also yeah, like notice. simulate like torchlight a lot in this, so you yeah. think maybe okay. that would have helped. It? Maybe he needs like a better toner, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. to get to you know a little bit of purple shampoo to get out some like of that he was, brassiness. He was like almost at. <laughs> platinum but they didn't have enough time to get it dyed so they just threw him on screen where he was like maybe one or two services away from actually being platinum they only really had roughly four to four and a half hours per day on set with the kids oh my god so like imagine trying to film an entire movie centered around kids and your lead actors are only on set four hours a day wow <laughs> Well, that's that's why you got a lot of uh, the adults looking at each other in different rooms because <laughs> we got to film something. We're here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and I know I know we talked about this a little bit too before um, we even recorded just about how the second movie is a little more memorable. Uh, the effects were much better by the time the second film came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, you had mentioned. Do you think that's due to budget? Yeah, which I haven't done any research about, but I think, like, <laughs> I do think, like, Sorcerer's Stone was kind of a gamble of, like, a mm-hmm. book adaptation. At that point, I think only four books were out. Yeah. 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 So, like, I don't know that they were thinking, like, yeah, we're going to make eight movies and, like, make all the money under the sun. They were like, oh, mm-hmm. let's see how this goes. And then, you know, maybe we'll make another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it all worked out. But, like, I said that like before I rewatched it and I kind of feel bad about it now because like the CGI is really rough. The green screen looks terrible. Like I hate the look of the Quidditch um, grounds. 
but yeah. everything else like all the practical stuff like diagonally looks Dude. amazing like the set mm-hmm. the set design of this movie is really out of this world the costumes were great and like watching that first movie like you can see why they made a theme park out of it because it looks mm-hmm. like an actual lived in place that you go mm-hmm. to like it yeah. doesn't look like a movie set yeah because um, like i think i i think i read that they were like going to like use old streets for Diagon Alley, but then they just decided to like build the whole like set which i think was definitely like a good call yeah because if like they're like when you read about Diagon Alley, like there should not be like a straight angle on that street and there's not in that whole street it winds down yeah the production design for Diagon Alley was phenomenal yeah it was only a few years ago when I realized that's just the word diagonally yeah Um, (laughs) good job she's not a great writer honestly one day I read I just read it in passing and I went diagonally and I went what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) well just like the mirror of erised is just desire backwards and I'm pretty sure like most of the spells are just like latin Mm mm-hmm yeah, but like she gets away with it because she gets to say it's for children. So well, I was, but I was gonna say even like to that point, if like you know, I mean, this was like again, they took a young adult book and they made a movie that's like you know, it's a family friendly film, and I feel like yeah. maybe until like recent years, we didn't see like huge blockbusters that were you know for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, now mm-hmm. we have like shit like Frozen, but mm-hmm. um. You know, it did well, which is probably why they're like, yeah, let's make more. Yeah. As a kid, I was a little bit of like a purist about I wanted everything from the book to be on screen. And Mm -hmm. like now I realize that like when you're screenwriting, like a book and a screenplay are two very different experiences. And I actually was frustrated rewatching about how much they left in of the book. Um, because they like still didn't do everything, but they tried to do a little bit of everything yeah. that I think in the long run really hurt the movie. Like the whole detention scene in the dark forest feels really unnecessary besides yeah. to mm-hmm. like, I guess it just like sheds light that Voldemort's there. Um, or at the very least, like Ferenz didn't have to be the one to come. <laughs> Ferenz is the centaur, um, yeah. <laughs> who is not in the rest of the movie. And just has like a like one page dialogue with Harry that Harry's very <laughs> chill about for having seen a centaur for the first time in his life and yeah. almost having died from the vampiric thing eating the unicorn. Um, totally cool. Yeah. Everything's Harry's cool. got ice in his veins, man. <laughs> There's no reason Hagrid couldn't have had that line, especially because I think the scene in the book is a lot longer and like Ferenz matters a lot more. Well, yeah, because um, like. I don't remember if it's in the first book, but like there's like a whole pack of centaurs. So I thought like yeah. it We've was already just established more. The budget. We can only yeah, we only have the budget centaur. for one of these guys. <laughs> it's dark. Yeah. Four yeah. minutes of screen time. That's it. <laughs> you mentioned Lord Voldemort. Um, I thought that scene with the unicorn blood was cool as like an interesting setup for that character to come in later, and when he finally shows up. Um, he's on the back of Professor mm-hmm. Quarrel's head, and as a nine-year-old, I was mm-hmm. like, "What the <laughs> hell?" 
so I always kind of had this phobia that bald people had Voldemort on the back <laughs> of their head. <laughs> Only if they're like hiding their bald head with like turbans and Yeah, if you see a white guy hats. in a turban, it's already a red flag. <laughs> what did you guys think about uh, Voldemort as a character in the first movie alone? Uh, he's kind of spooky. Um, <laughs> but overall, he like kind of also doesn't really do much. So. Yeah. I just felt like him as like the villain was just it was like I mean I know he's physically weak but he just felt kind of like a weak villain. Um yeah. he didn't like feel like this big superpower and I think that's why I still stand by like saying like if they would have ended this as one movie like you would have been fine with the ending of him like floating mm. off as like a weird disembodied cloud. Ghoul like a ghoul but it's just like i don't know and i mean i'm sure like when i was nine it was a lot scarier but um professor quirrell is not scary at all no like i i thought his whole character was kind of like weak um Mm -hmm. besides like the stuttering but just like he just wasn't (laughs) physically imposing he just didn't really do much i don't know i just like not like the big bad boss that you expect yeah, the turn for me wasn't really that satisfying, especially watching it now. Like watching this as its as its own film as a standalone, I guess is satisfying, but it doesn't have that satisfying big magical conclusion yeah. in the way that other movies in the franchise do. See, I thought like the lead up to get to the room with him was more fun. It was. I always did. Well, um, it I was always more, it was scarier. Like the chess yeah. thing was scene. fucking freaky. Still. Yeah, and that chess game was fucking nuts, dude. Nuts. It's like that scene is so cool, and then also yeah. like, how is Ron that good at chess? <laughs> yeah. But I think that like his chess does like play on like more like in the story at least like in the books and stuff. But it's like. He's there because, he, you know, he has to have a purpose as being in the friend group. Yeah. yeah. And he literally <laughs> says to Harry, we're not meant to go on. No. Leave <laughs> us. Fuck us. Go. When we When we did our dub of it, the one thing I remember more than anything is the joke that Hagrid throughout this movie says that he sh- he tells them something and then immediately says that he shouldn't tell them. Shouldn't so that, that became a meme. And then what? I did for because I was the voice of Hagrid in our dub. I told them everything that they were about to encounter and how to beat it. And then I said I shouldn't have told you that. And then they go into the key room. <laughs> so like it's just like one of the funniest things that I remember doing. Uh and it we had such a it was so fucking funny to like play that out because then Paul was like, Oh, and then he just said to do this. So then he it looked like Harry knew instead of figuring out, he was just trying to do all of the stuff as he was told to do. Um, but no, I think that chess game is probably like one of the better set pieces in the entire movie, especially because it looked really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think the CGI in that, even though it's pretty obvious, isn't bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least like at least it's not bad enough. Like where it didn't like take me out of the scene at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that entire set was practical. Like, they were working with real giant chess pieces. pieces. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the scale of it really came across on mm-hmm. film for me. And to even elicit the phrase, that chess game was really cool, is an accomplishment <laughs> in itself. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, hey, look at Queen's Gambit. People like chess. I still have to watch that. But <laughs> yeah, I, um, I even made a comment to Cheyenne when we were watching it uh, that like, oh, it's a good thing that Ron is really good at chess because that came in handy for him at the very so, end. You it's know, almost like it's someone wrote it. Co- <laughs> it's, you know, very coincidental that Hermione's great at herbology. Oh, wait. Er, mm-hmm. Plants. And then, yeah. mm, the youngest seeker in a century. Hop on that broomstick and get that key. <laughs> oh, Ron, you're like chess? Yeah. What a coincidence. Yeah. Voldemort's like the worst villain. <laughs> I remember, like, as a kid, one of my, like, frustrations with not having everything in the book is, like, there were challenges that they left out. Like, Snape had a challenge that was blocking the stone, and it was, like, a potions challenge. Um, and it's, like, a dramatic scene in the book because they, like, Ron's already been got in the chess game. So, like, mm-hmm. Ron's, like, mm-hmm. lying there, and they're, like, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Ron. See you bye. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually like totally forgot because I think that was like a point in the book where it's like every professor who was involved like had a challenge. Yeah, yeah. but they were also with- like, well, this was Snape's challenge, so obviously he had an easy time with this. <laughs> so I would say that the the chess game is probably my favorite sequence. What is mm-hmm. your favorite sequence, Jordan? I think, and it changes, it changes depending Mm. on when I'm watching the movie, but I think, as of my latest viewing of it, it's when Harry gets the invisibility cloak and is going through the corridors, and I thought that that was a really tense way to have him uncover some secrets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like that conversation that Snape has with Quirrell, I thought was fun, considering the fact that Harry is right there. Uh, mm-hmm. and none of them know it. So I thought that that was really effective, and I'm going to go ahead and say that that is my favorite sequence. Joe, favorite sequence. I do think the chess scene definitely got me a lot, but I think I also really love the opening sequence, and even like up until like when they're in Diagon Alley. The Dursleys, like as much as like they're like hateable people, like I love the performances from them. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're all like they're always just so present, even though they're only in like the very beginning of every movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're always just spot on with their characters. Um, and another like kind of Snape thing is like once you learn about Lily and Petunia and all that, every scene with her kind of reads different, even though like she's still like doing the wrong thing. But, mm-hmm. like, you know that like she's like mourning at the same time. Yeah, I just really like those sequences with the Dursleys, especially when the letters start coming through and seeing that magic element in a very normal setting was very cool. That was practical. Yeah. The the letters was practical, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Sarah was yours. (laughs) Well, I was going to say the chess... And then mm. that was taken. And then I was going to say the letters. <laughs> and that was taken. And I'm just like... So what's your third favorite scene? It's not Quidditch. To, no. The Quidditch was hard to watch, um, actually. Um, but, like, I'm trying to, like, also separate, like, the iconic <laughs> quotes from, like, scenes that I actually like. Like, the whole, like, sequence of the troll so iconic as you opened up the um, podcast. (laughs) But like also I'm like the CGI troll was just like 
not great. <laughs> so yeah. like it's like, eh. and then like you just get kids who are screaming for help and not moving. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Fucking, you have legs. You have muggle legs. Run. Um, so I don't know. It's just. Is it the three headed dog? Well, you know, I am a sucker for three headed dogs. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Especially uh, and- named Fluffy. And, but like, I, I do enjoy all of the scenes, like, with Hagrid because, like, he just, like, you could tell, like, he just, like, wants companionship. Like, the whole thing with Fluffy. It's like, it's so cute. It's fl- It's like, no, it's a fucking vicious three-headed dog. And then, like, fucking Norbert the dragon, like, mm-hmm. there, Norbert. That's the favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, Hagrid, Hagrid's definitely my favorite character in the first movie, like, without yeah. a doubt. I mean, it's easy to it's easy to default to him because, yeah. especially, like, his introduction is so, yeah. like, jarring and, like, terrifying in a way. And he gives Dursley a tail, like just immediately comes across as likable. Hagrid's a good, good character. They railroaded Hagrid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's yours. Your favorite is Hagrid. Sarah what's your favorite character. Um, I go back and forth, but I'm like, still like, I'm still really feeling for Ron right now. Although I always thought Oliver Wood was very cute. (laughs) <laughs> he had to wrestle a fake imaginary floating ball, ball. Yeah. Yeah, Star uh, Trek and it was so convincing I am very very <laughs> well, happy with that guy's performance in this movie so shout out to him Yezzy just like add that to your theory of why women like Harry Potter Oliver Wood <laughs> wrangling, wrangling his ball he really knows how to handle a ball <laughs> Jordan, what's your favorite character? I really like Ron. All right. And and honestly, I kind of like Neville in this movie. Neville's great. He's he's a guy who I never really paid much attention to his character back in the day watching this movie. But Mm -hmm. watching him now, like, it's so fun and refreshing, especially knowing where that character winds Mm -hmm. up. Like he gets uh, just hot, putting up fisticuffs, ready to go to war with Harry Potter and Ron Weasley, and then Hermione yeah, he, just takes him off the board. <laughs> but he got ten points. He gets the ten points that counts, man. The real cherry on that scene is when they're walking out, and Ron says, "It's for your own good." <laughs> he doesn't even say sorry. <laughs> uh, poor Neville. Joe, what about you? Any favorite character? Um. In this movie, I think I have a real soft spot for Dumbledore, and I think that's mm-hmm. mostly because of Richard Harris's performance, and he only got yes. to play him in the first two because he passed mm-hmm. away in 2002. I thought yeah. he was like a perfect Dumbledore. I really didn't like the follow-up Dumbledore that much, um, yeah. but I really? think that's... Yeah. I don't like the other Dumbledore either. Yeah. I really liked Richard Harris as Dumbledore, and I didn't really care for michael gambon after him um that's surprising yeah i don't know he just he brought the fun out in dumbledore that i think was really Mm -hmm. missing after chamber of secrets dumbledore is like he can be like a very threatening presence but i think he can also be fun and like especially when he's supposed to be like a school principal i think it's important for him to be like the fun principal and that's why everybody Mm -hmm. likes him 
But like on that note that like he was only recast because he passed away. It's really amazing. Every actor in this, even like the side characters, like Seamus is the same actor from movie Mm -hmm. one to movie eight. Like the only ones that get recast are like the ones that pass away or like that kid that went to prison. Um, (laughs) Crab. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And like Slytherin a little too far. Yeah, like I love that they like had that commitment to like keep all these actors the same, and like they all did, like I thought amazing. Yeah, yeah especially considering that like for so many of them, like this was like their first like right. real thing. So I mean, you have like yeah. a feature film that's literally pretty much being run by like noobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean Daniel Radcliffe is green in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and like in some yeah. ways, like you can kind of tell, but I think like it also works just because like. If any scene, like, he feels, like, a little awkward. I mean, Harry's kind of, like, is a little awkward, mm. especially, like, in this, because he's new to this world. He has, like, he has, like, such an earnest delivery on so much of it, especially at the beginning where he's just, like, a question machine. Yeah. yeah. But he does it in a way that, like, it doesn't seem to take you out of it, or it yeah. doesn't seem like, oh, that's all he's there to do. Yeah, because yeah. um, it worked. I mean, it, and I think it ends up working for, like, the characterization, because I think, like, I read something with Rupert Grint, um, mm-hmm. like, some people didn't like the way he was kind of, like, acting or, like, overacting, but I just think it kind of, like, works for Ron, and, like, yeah, like, I think as the characters and the actors get older and the writers, like, change, like, I think the char- like, obviously the characters do change, but it's, like, in a realistic way, considering all that happens throughout the storyline. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see the, like, creative teams change, but I think, like you said, these actors took ownership of these characters and, like, fostered them and like kept the through line throughout all the movies to like show them growing um Mm, and i think also like to the point of them being green um at least from like the stories that like have come out whether or not it's just pr like the adult cast is such like a powerhouse of like established actors that like the stories are all that like they were very like supportive and coaching the kids and like Mm -hmm. really like jump-started their careers and like made them into like the great actors that they would pretty much all become Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean it just goes to show like everyone on this cast had talent and And nobody had to talk about emma watson because we all know what she's done (laughs) yeah i mean but it's successful afterwards yeah it just goes to show like everyone involved in this production is talented and had something to offer and still continues to have things to offer and 20 years man the the legacy that harry potter has left behind and is continuing well that's why you have a harry potter weekend every weekend that's true do you guys (laughs) i'm gonna pose this question to you do you think that if they were to do uh the sequels like i know how she did the cursed child Mm -hmm. or something like that uh, if they were to do that and and bring back like the original cast, would you go to the theater to see it? I mean, probably not because I didn't see any of these in the theater. <laughs> and also, I remember when Cursed Child came out, there was a lot of hullabaloo about from like the hardcore fans about the direction of the story. Because um, I, from what I understand, it's an unofficial sequel or something like that. Um, for the the hardcore Potter canon people, I guess. 
Um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I would be interested to see it when I'd be able to view it at my house, but, um, and it'd be cool to just know that they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Um, I never read the cursed child. Um, when it came out, I was kind of, I feel like over Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. If it was like a, you know, limit like in theaters and hbo max thing Mm -hmm. um i would see it and part of it too is just because like if they cast like the original characters i mean i feel like they're all strong actors um Mm. yeah now now. so i think i would i would really be interested to see like who would direct it and how they would take it because again i don't know what the story i mean i don't know what the storyline for the cursed child is at all Harry's kid and he's friends with Malfoy's kid who is maybe Voldemort reincarnated um but Harry's kid is the asshole oh um and that's mostly what I remember also Harry's an asshole um I remember hearing that yeah hmm yeah, I, I mean, I was working at the bookstore when that dropped, and it was, like, the biggest fucking event that we could have ever had. We, like, decorated the store as if it were <laughs> a castle. It was a whole thing. They're like, oh, thank God, another wow. Harry Potter book. We're going to make some money. <laughs> yeah. Bookstores yeah. really come alive when Harry Potter stuff comes yeah. out. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I... Yeah, I probably the same as Sarah. I would watch it if it was in, like, a subscription service I was already... <laughs> Subscribe to. I wouldn't go out of my way for it. Um, I haven't even seen the last Fantastic Beasts. Like I, I, I didn't see any. I of forgot those, that those actually. were things, honestly, until yeah. right now. And they're developing I, like a bunch of other spinoff things. Yeah, I've never actually seen them. I think I own the first one. <laughs> I, I've seen and the I've first Fantastic Beasts. I've literally never watched it. I'm just like I don't know. I'm weird about like watching. I saw parts things. of it. I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah, it wasn't to me when I watched it. I knew I was like, okay, I have no interest in continuing this. <laughs> like I had no interest at all. Um, That's funny. But when I think about Harry Potter, I do enjoy it. I do like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If they were to make something with this crew. I would see it, uh, whether yeah. or not it's a theater or an HBO Max thing, is yet to be determined. But uh, I don't know. Watching this first movie again just made me super nostalgic, and made mm-hmm. made me want to go back and watch the rest of them. Uh, I feel get- like I feel the same way. I want. I kind of <laughs> want to continue. And there's movies I know I do not like. Oh, I really. So I'm like a big Sirius Black fan, and I just felt like they did him so fucking dirty in the movies. See, I hated the fifth book because it felt like it dragged so long, and Harry's just so mopey the whole time. So yeah, he I, does get very depressed. I kind of appreciated how the movie kind of like cut to the chase a little bit more. But but I think I think like maybe as we approach maybe the Christmas season, maybe I will watch. Since you know Harry, Harry Potter's Potter a Christmas, Christmas thing, you know why not? <laughs> I will say though, um, I believe it's John Williams's score, right? Oh yeah, amazing, iconic. It's it's just like just putting him in charge of the music for any movie just takes <laughs> it up to a specific level. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
uh, like the score is so iconic and it just really carries throughout the whole movie too. There's like a certain level of just whimsy that he was able to capture in that sound that he created for it. And it just, it works so well throughout. I like, I really, really love the music throughout this. Yeah. It's so iconic. Anytime I hear it, it immediately pulls me into that world. I'm in mm-hmm. Diagon Alley. I'm at Hogwarts. I'm in the Great Hall. Like, it's a good time. It was weird watching and recognizing um, the clips that they used in the DVD menus. <laughs> 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 and, like, how, like, you know, how you would, like, fall asleep with, like, the DVD menu playing mm-hmm. and just, like, the loop of the same clip of music. Yep. <laughs> Good times. I do feel very um, nostalgic for Harry Potter. So I will say that as much as I'm not like an adult fan and I don't obsess over it. And I, besides this notebook that I've had since like 2000, I don't, um, I don't have like Harry Potter merch. Good times. This was a fun one. Nice little throwback. Joe, any uh, final thoughts on Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? You know, if the only way to get the stone out was to want it and to not want to use it, if Harry didn't go there, everything would have been fine. It's true. That's kind of like what I've been mulling over since last <laughs> night. <laughs> like, everything would have been fine if Harry had done nothing and just gone to school. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there'd be no way they, they could get it out. Yeah. And they probably would have like caught him and like caught Voldemort and like the rest of the... like next 10 years would have been fine um alternate ending but he had to stick his fucking nose where it didn't belong and that's which is also interesting how like harry's like a celebrity for this book and this book only and then other like the rest of the time he's just like our asshole classmate who's always doing (laughs) stupid shit um but yeah it was definitely a walk down memory lane it was nostalgic um I don't think I want to watch the rest. I think I'm happy leaving this behind me. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Joe's like a reformed fan. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've I've moved beyond it. Uh, he's got he's got his chip. It has no sway over that. me. <laughs> I don't need it, Robert. So for me, I mean, you know, Harry Potter is is a fun thing that a lot of people enjoy, and. Um, I don't not enjoy it, but I don't particularly go out of my way to invest myself in it one way or the other. Um, like if I go to Universal, like we're, we'll definitely go to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like going to be like absolutely not. That's stupid. Like it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's a it's a fun movie that I have a lot of sentimental memories about and. Um, I enjoy it in that regard. Um, I do, however, consistently roll my eyes, and Amanda will vouch for this whenever it is a Harry Potter weekend because she always puts it on. <laughs> she always puts it on. <laughs> Every time. I'd come home from work and be like, oh, another fucking Harry Potter weekend. Sweet. Another wait, two well, hours of this shit. Wait till wait. Vinny gets old enough for Harry Potter. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. I mean, yeah, like that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't hate it in the way that I'll be like, no. <laughs> Um, By then they'll be and rebooting I also, like, it. Won't call it blasphemy series. either. So, <laughs> so you heard what we all thought about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So now we need to hear from you. 
So let us know what you guys thought. Uh, what's your favorite memory of Harry Potter? What's your favorite movie? Who's your favorite character? What's your favorite scene? Could you say the spells? Uh, let us know. Uh, Could you tell me where to find up. a bazaar? Hit us up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Pop Cannon. And if you want, you can join our Facebook group. It's called Pop Cannon Collective. All you have to do is search that on your little uh, Facebook device. Because it's not a phone, it's a Facebook device. And (laughs) (laughs) search Pop Cannon Collective and ask to join. And if you follow the two like really critical rules that we have for the group, you'll be allowed in. We are available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. So you like Spotify? We're on Spotify. You like iTunes? We're on iTunes. You can rate, review, subscribe. You know, just do it. Uh, We also share these podcast episodes as Mm -hmm. videos on YouTube. So if you want to head over there, if you like visual entertainment, um, follow us at Pop Cannon. That's with a K. Um, and make sure to like and subscribe and ring the bell so you get notified whenever we post a new episode. Uh, see you there. So thank you very much for watching and or listening. Uh, you can always subscribe for more Pop Cannon content. This has been episode 67. We are your hosts. My name is Jordan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at JL24FPS. And I'm Robert, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Yesball. I'm Sarah, and I'm on Instagram at Sarah Ann Dippity. I'm Joe, and I'm a Slytherin, and you can find me <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram at Joe for Broke. You can slither into his DMs. <laughs> slither on in there. Anyway, for Pop Cannon, we will see you on the very next episode. Yeah.